Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Because sometimes you want to go where everybody and they're always glad. You want to go where people know the troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Now, those of you who are under 40 are probably wondering, what in the world is that? And why did all the old people know it? <laughs> that song is the theme song from one of the longest running, most successful television sitcoms in all of history. This show is set in a little community bar in Boston, Massachusetts. And the success of that show was not based on the talent of the actors who performed in it or the creativity of the screenwriters who wrote it. It was successful because it touched on one of the deepest desires in every human heart, and that is to connect. To experience community with a few other people who really do know your name and they really are glad that you came. As, as I shared with you last week, hardwired in the DNA of every one of us is a need and desire for authentic connection with others. See, that's why when Jesus established his church on this earth, he did not design it just to be another religious institution or organization. He didn't design the church to just be a weekly gathering of like-minded believers. He designed the church to be a family, a place where people could connect and do life and walk their faith journey with one another. And the result of that was phenomenal. The early church in Jerusalem following the resurrection and ascension of Jesus was nothing more than a ragtag band of Jesus followers. But within two short years, this little group of people had radically transformed the city of Jerusalem. In fact, within two generations, they had taken the message of the gospel to the entire known world. Talk about better together. This little group did better together, better than anybody's ever done it together. And they did it all without a building, without a budget, without seminary-trained pastors or leaders. How? How did they do this? Well, look at what the Bible says, Acts chapter 5, as it describes this early church in Jerusalem. It says, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They lifted up the name of Jesus. They didn't focus on themselves. They didn't try to make themselves famous. They didn't try to point out to everybody how cool their church was. They pointed people to Jesus. And they did that in two ways. One, in large corporate gatherings for worship. That's what they did in the temple courts. And then by connecting in homes in small groups to do life together. 
And so today, as we are kicking off this six-week church-wide series and study called Better Together, we're going to spend the next month and a half focusing on the importance of and the purpose of home group. Because as a church, we can only really be better together if we are willing to connect together with each other. And so I thought as we kick off this journey this morning, I wanted to start with just a simple, clear explanation about what a home group does. What are the things that happen in a home group? Because we can see clearly in these very first home groups in the New Testament church in Jerusalem that there were five things that they did from house to house that we need to make sure we're doing as we connect with one another. And my goal this morning, I'll just be up front with you. For those of you who are not yet in a group, I'm hoping to break down barriers and create enough curiosity and desire so that you will push through whatever excuses or reasons you have and make that connection. But my goal is also to make sure for those of you that are in a home group, that we are doing what the Bible teaches a home group should do, that we are staying on track and making sure the main things are the main things. And when we look at the New Testament church, we look at these early home groups, there are five things we see them do. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, we're in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. Now, the book of Acts is basically the historical narrative of the birth, rise, and expansion of the Christian church across the known world. The Gospels are the story and life of Jesus, and then the book of Acts picks up and tells us how Jesus continued to move into this world all the way through today. And in verses 42 through 47... Luke, the author of Acts, paints for us a picture of what happened in these house-to-house meetings. Five things they did, the five things we need to do. Number one, what do we do in a home group? We study God's Word together. We study God's Word together. If you're not spending time engaging in God's Word in your group, you are not a home group. You might be a great social club, you might be an awesome support group, but you are not a home group unless you engage in God's Word with one another. Why do I say that? Because that's what the early church did. Look at the first part of verse 42. It said, they devoted themselves to the what? What does that say? Apostles teach. What is that? What are the apostles' teachings? That's God's Word. The apostles were the writers of the New Testament. You know, Peter, James, John, and then later on the apostle Paul. And so the things these guys were teaching in the early days were passed around orally. And then later on they were written down in the New Testament as we have it. And they were focusing and studying God's word together. But notice it doesn't just say they studied God's word. It says they what? What's that word? They devoted themselves to it. Circle that word, devoted. See, they weren't just studying it from an academic sense. They weren't just trying to learn new information. They were allowing God's Word to transform their lives. And that's why one of our core values in our home groups 
is that we have Bible study focused on life application. It's not Bible study just to learn more knowledge, not to just store away more information, because here's something I know. Information ain't transformation, right? Just knowing something doesn't mean you're going to live it out. A a pastor several years ago said the problem with the Christian church in America is we are educated far beyond our obedience. And that's so true, right? I mean, our problem is not we don't know what the Bible says. For most of us, our problem is we ain't doing the things we already know it says. And so Bible study in a home group is all about putting it into practice. You know, every now and then I have an individual or a home group come to me and they say, Philip, we want to go deep. We want a deeper study. We want to do a deeper Bible study. And I'm like, that's great, but tell me what you mean by deep. Because the deepest Bible study is the one you will put into practice. And look, you can spend months, you can spend years studying the book of Revelation. And that's a great thing to do. All kinds of amazing stuff in there. But you can spend years studying it. And if it doesn't move you to be prepared for knowing Jesus is coming soon, you've just got a lot of information, but nothing has changed in your life. So we want to do Bible studies that are focused on life application, but we also want to do Bible studies that are interactive and participative. What do I mean by that? In a home group, it's not some Bible brainiac standing up in front of the group with maps and charts and a PowerPoint presentation, impressing you with all the stuff they know about the Bible. It's about us together walking through a passage or a principle and saying, man, this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me through that. And that's so important with Bible study because we all have our own perspective, right? We all have our own personality and so we see things in scripture through our one little lens and that may be a little bit too narrow but by interacting with God's word in a home group you can hear different examples different uh, angles see it in different ways and it brings God's word to life in new ways for you Look, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for almost 25 years. I have a master's degree in Bible. And every week in home group, I learn something new about God's Word because it's alive, it's active, but you find out truth by sharing it with each other. Now, that fact that our home group Bible studies are interactive and participative may scare some of you. Because you're thinking, if I go to a group, they're going to want me to talk about the Bible? I don't even know how to use the Bible. I don't know where those books are. I don't know. No. In a Cedar Creek Church home group, we want you to interact, but I promise you this. You'll never be asked to read, say, pray, sing, do anything that you don't volunteer for. We want you to, but we're not going to make you uncomfortable. How rude would that be to invite you in and then ask you to do all this stuff? The fact that our Bible studies are interactive and participative may scare some of you because you think, Phil, whoa, that's dangerous. You let everybody talk in the group. Somebody might share stuff that's not really true or or teach a heresy or, you know, how do you protect from, you know, people saying what they think and it's counter to what the Bible teaches. We solve that with one word, leadership. We equip and train home group leaders to facilitate the discussion and keep it on track and in line with the truth of God's Word. I say all that to say this. If you're going to be a part 
of a healthy home group, then you need to have an interactive, participative Bible study focused on life application. Why? Because that's what the early church did. And that's the example Jesus left for us. Number two, the second thing we do is we practice learning how to love. We practice learning how to love. Listen, finish writing that in and then look up here. I don't want you to miss this. If you don't hear anything else I say today, don't miss this. The number one purpose of your life is to love. That's the most important thing. Remember when they asked Jesus what's most important? His answer, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And equal to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying the main thing is loving each other. That's how you love God. And if you miss that in life, you have wasted your life. But here's what I want you to understand. Home group is one of the best places to practice doing that, to love people. Not just people like you. Home group teaches you to love people different from you. And Jesus said that's what real love is. Loving people that think like you, look like you, speak like you, and vote like you, that ain't love. That's just easy. That's just comfortable. Real love is loving people that kind of get on your nerves. Real love is loving people who think and have a different type of personality and a different perspective from you. That's what real love is. And a home group is a great place to rub shoulders with people like that. See, those of you who moved down here from the north, you got to learn how to love those of us who are from the south. And those of us who are from the south... We have to learn to love those of you who moved down here from the north. Even those of you who moved from Ohio. We love you. We love each other. We practice learning how to love. Because that's what they did in the early church. Look at the second part of verse 42. It said they devoted themselves to the fellowship. What does that mean? Fellowship. Well, if you grew up in or around church, you know that fellowship, in your mind, you hear that word, you immediately think like a potluck dinner, dinner on the grounds. The church getting together to do something enjoyable. In fact, a lot of churches have a fellowship hall, a place where they can gather together. And that is certainly a part of fellowship. But the heart of fellowship is not getting together for a potluck or dinner on the grounds. The heart of fellowship is practicing learning how to love people that are different from you. How do I know that? Because the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia, and it simply means a group, a diverse group of people who are bonded to each other because of their shared love for Jesus. And a home group is a great opportunity to do that. See, most of us, when we think loving others, we immediately think out in the streets, right? The poor, the broken, the humble, the homeless, the struggling. Those are the people we as the church need to love. And that is true. But Jesus makes it clear that that kind of love starts within the church family. And a home group is a a great place to do that. That's why here at Cedar Creek, we say with our home groups, the biggest part of home group is not what happens in the meeting, but between the meetings, right? It's not that hour, hour and a half, one night a week. It's how you connect and love and take care of each other all through the week. 
What I'm saying is if if you're going to live out the number one purpose of your life, then you're going to have to commit yourself to loving people that are different from you. And a home group is the best place to put that into practice. The third thing we do in our home groups, my favorite thing maybe, is we eat together. How awesome is that? We eat together. All of our home groups spend some amount of time eating. It may be a meal. It may be a a snack, chips and dip. It may only be a Yoo-Hoo and a Twizzler. But whatever it is, they're going to be some time spent eating. And it's not about what we eat. It's about why we eat together. Do you know why? Because there is something spiritual about sitting down and eating with other people. The Bible calls it breaking bread together. And it was such a big part of these original home groups that it's mentioned twice in this passage. First in the third part of verse 42. It said they also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now most scholars believe this particular phrase is referring to the Lord's Supper. Taking communion together because it says the breaking of a bread. It's making it a, a, a very a proper noun, something very specific. And the early church home groups did that. They took communion. They celebrated the Lord's Supper together in their homes. Guess what? We do that as well as a church. Yes, a couple times a year, we celebrate the Lord's Supper in large group, usually around Easter or around Thanksgiving, and that's wonderful. But we encourage our groups to do this often throughout the year. In fact, this week, this coming week in your home group, you're going to do that. You're going to take the Lord's Supper in a small group in a home. And if you've never had an opportunity to do that, it is one of the coolest things ever. I mean, I love taking it with all of you. But to sit down in a home with people that know me and people that I know and be reminded of God's sacrifice, his broken body, his shed blood, of being reminded of the things that bond us together, it's a very powerful experience. But look, not only did these early home groups take Lord's Supper together, guess what? They ate regular meals together. Notice verse 46. It says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Notice the the is gone. So that they had regular meals and they enjoyed doing that. Why? Why was it such a big deal for them? Why is it important to us? Because having a meal with someone creates a relaxed atmosphere. It begins to break down walls. It begins to open up hearts and lives to one another. You know how I know that? Because Jesus employed that technique. Did you know Jesus did a lot more teaching sitting around the table in people's homes than he did standing on mountainsides or lake shores preaching to large crowds? Yes, Jesus occasionally preached to large crowds, but most of his teaching took place in people's homes sitting around a table. You know how I know that? He did it so often, his enemies accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard. They say, he's always eating a meal at somebody's house. He's always there sharing cups of wine. He's always doing this. Why did Jesus do that? Because he had a message to share. And he knew hearts would be more open to that message around a table than being part of a large crowd. We eat together in home groups 
Not just because people are hungry or because it's convenient because they don't have time to go home after work. We do it to help us connect, to open up our hearts and lives to one another. Number four, the fourth thing they did that we do in our groups is we pray with and for each other. We pray with and for each other. Prayer is a huge part of our home groups, not just praying in the meetings, but praying for each other throughout the week. Notice the last part of verse 42. It said they spent their time praying together. I can tell you, for me personally, prayer time is one of the best parts of home group because it's in that prayer time that I find myself being closer to God and closer to the people in that group. And when we say prayer time in home group, we're not talking about just that point where we circle up at the end and, you know, pray now I lay me down to sleep and God bless this and God bless that. No, I'm talking about that opportunity we have as a group to open up, to share our deepest needs with God and with each other. Now, let me just tell you, in the beginning with a group, when folks are kind of just getting to know each other, the prayer requests tend to be very surfacey in group, right? We usually will ask the group to pray about somebody else. Like, you know, you guys pray for my Aunt Mary's goat. It's got a hangnail, and would you pray for that, right? But over time, as trust is built, as community is built, as confidentiality is established, slowly but surely, we begin opening up with one another and sharing our deepest needs with each other. And let me tell you something. When that happens, baby, that is a special God-ordained moment. God's power is in that place. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 18. Jesus said, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, you pray about, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Now, that doesn't mean that if you get somebody to agree to pray with you that you will win the lottery, that you're going to win the lottery. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is when you align your heart with my heart and when you get others to agree and align their heart with your heart and God's heart, God's power is poured out. And I don't understand it. I can't explain it, but I've seen it. I've seen through the power of prayer like that in home group, people experience freedom from bondage. People find hope in hopeless situations. People find the strength to move on and keep going when they want to give up. That is the power of prayer in agreeing with others for God to move. That's why we pray together. And then finally, number five, the fifth thing we do in our home groups is we help each other and serve the community. We help each other and serve the community. What I mean by that is that healthy home groups are always inwardly caring and outwardly focused. Let me say that again. Healthy home groups are inwardly caring for each other and outwardly focused on the needs of those outside of the group and outside of the church. Look at verses 44 and 45. It says, all the believers were together and shared Everything. In other words, they took care of one another. But it didn't stop there. It said they would sell their land and the things they own and then divide the money and give it to who? What's that word? Anyone who needed it. We call this mutual ministry and outreach. 
In other words, that we minister to one another mutually within the group. And I can just tell you, these last couple of weeks, losing both my parents and going through all that, it was such a gift to be ministered to by our home group. For them to show up. They brought meals. I got so much food still at my house, I could invite you all over for lunch and feed you. They just showed up and showed out and met our needs. A couple of folks in the home group showed up and helped clear all of the furniture and stuff out of my parents' assisted living apartments. All I had to do was call. I didn't have to go do all of that. That's mutual ministry. But we also expect all of our home groups to focus outwardly to have community service projects, to work with our local partners, or to work with our schools to bless this community. That's what home groups do. You know, I said earlier, the, the number one purpose of your life is to love, but the number one goal of your life is to be more like Jesus. And you are never more like Jesus than when you are serving others and you are always more effective in your serving when you join with others in your group home group is a great place to practice unselfishness and to put the needs of others ahead of your own that is the heart of cedar creek church but it won't continue to be that way if that doesn't continue to be the heart of our home groups because the home groups are the heart of who we are as a church. But if we'll do this, if we will commit to consistently doing these five things together in groups, what God does, the results of that are amazing. Look at verse 47. Look at what it says about this early church. It said, they praise God and were liked by all the people. Every day the Lord added those who were being saved to the group of believers. What was happening in their home groups not only gave them a good reputation in their city, but it attracted lost, hurting, and broken people like moths to a flame. And that is my hope. That is my heart. That is my day-in, day-out prayer for our church in 2020. But if that's going to happen in our church, it's got to start in our home groups. So let me ask you two questions as I close. For those of you who are in a group right now, are you doing these five things? Are these things happening in your group? Does your group look a lot like these early church home groups? If not, you may need to tweak. You may need to get a little off of the things that are your preference and a little more things that God has called us to do. For those of you who are not in a group, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? How long will you let the distractions of this world, the barriers that you can get through but choose not to get through, the, all the excuses about why you can't do it. How long will you let the enemy hold you in bondage? When are you going to experience the freedom that comes from living life God's way? Because apart from this, apart from being connected in authentic community with other believers, you will never really fully experience the life that God created for you. 
And I love you too much to see you drifting out there alone and allowing the enemy to keep you defeated and discouraged. You don't have to do this alone. God loves you, and Cedar Creek Church loves you. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, I thank you so much for such a clear example for how we are to do church. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be smarter than another church. We don't have to be so creative. We don't have to come up with all kinds of new, fresh ideas of doing. We just have to follow the simple model that you laid out 2,000 years ago. So God, help us to be true to that because we know it's in and through that that you move and work, that you draw people into the life-giving relationship with Jesus, that you allow us to keep marching and moving and stumbling and sometimes crawling forward to press on to win the prize that you've called us heavenward for. Well, Jesus, help us to not just hear your word, but to put it into practice and be transformed for your glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.